106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Thank you, Madam Speaker. In a day heavy in verbal debate, I choose to use my time to enumerate in detail every high crime and misdemeanor committed by the President of the United States. I will do so now. Gentlemen's time's expired. You'll back. I said what I was going to say, Nancy. We are, we have, I have, when we bring the bill, <laughs> provisions in there to pay for the, for the impeachment, <clears throat> and then the next step, the, uh, the, whatever you want to call it, the, the, the trial. <clears throat> Christmas and Happy New Year to you. This is Lou Benninger. I may sound a little different today. I, I got a bug. I caught a bug. Or as someone once said, I, I got under the weather. I'm, I'm under the weather. Or my friends in jail say, I caught a case. Some people say, I caught a cold. And um, so this just goes to show you that what you don't know or what you can't see can get under your skin and cause you big problems or even kill you. So here we go. This is our last show, our last episode for 2019, and it's uh, December 28th. This is our 39th show. We started this year doing podcasts uh, after doing a number of years of of, uh, live radio. And so uh, I hope you're enjoying them, and maybe this is your first podcast. Many of the people that Listen to me on the radio. Just when I said I switched to a podcast, they kind of look cross-eyed and get confused. But it's not that hard to connect. If you have a computer, you can just go to No Hostages Radio. That's plural hostages. No Hostages Radio dot com, and just click on the episode you want. There's also articles there. Uh, two articles per week. I write for the Territorial Dispatch. So you could uh, go there off a computer, or you can use your phone or, I guess, your computer and go to a podcast source like iTunes or whatever and just look for No Hostages Radio and click on that. Now, some people have told me that 
they've discussed the technology and they say if they go to the website off your phone and, and you know how your phone goes to sleep after a while when your phone goes to sleep off the website then the broadcast starts and you have to refresh your phone but tanner who puts these shows together for me after i do the talking he says if you go to the podcast source on your phone it shouldn't it shouldn't go pause uh to sleep like that and go pause so uh anyhow those are some ways to get to us we're here every week and we're here for about two hours or so we do it in about six segments so and then we we i usually break it up and uh play a few clips educational clips that i think are interesting or humorous or both so thank you for listening and um we're broadcasting as i mentioned before out of northern california yuba county to be specific where i live and then the show is kind of put together in texas so we're kind of across the country uh tanner uh, who does the put the, puts the show together tanner martis he used to be up here in California. He was a transplant to California for a while and did a lot of work for a group called Tread, which does uh, kind of stomp dance and routines and uh, goes a lot. A lot of times they're in Europe and they uh, share, share the good news about Jesus. And it's called T-R-E-D. You can look them up probably on Facebook. Tanner actually made the Facebook page and did all the technology for them for many years. And then he and his wife moved back to Texas after adding a son. So uh, he helps still from there. And uh, so let's get into it today. I want to talk uh, first of all today about a guy I met here a while back. I've heard of him, but just got to ma- meet him named Sean Foyt. And uh, Sean is a millennial. Uh, he's pushing for his forties. I think he's 36 or something like that. He's married to Kate. They have four children and, um, he's, he's more noted today, probably as a missionary, been, I think 50 different countries of the 190 some countries of the world. Um, he's a missionary author, recording artist, owns a couple of businesses and, um, started out his life in Montana his early years and then was uh, raised in his high school and years in Virginia Beach, Virginia, in that area, and then went to Oral Roberts University majoring in uh, business and minoring in music. So a lot of uh, church people, Christian people might know him uh, because of his uh, notoriety in the music industry. So he's produced something like 20 albums or something, pretty amazing. But what what's uh, got my attention recently is uh, several months ago, he spoke at the Church of Glad Tidings, where I attend here in Yuba City, and he talked about his decision to run for office. And he said, you know, millennials have uh, taken a lot of criticism, and they get, they have a lot of concerns and complaints. But he said, I just decided, uh, and I guess he was urged by people who said, hey, instead of just talking about this, why don't you put yourself uh, in politics and uh, to make a difference? So interestingly enough, he is running in the district that I live in, which is the is a congressional district. That means that the representative represents us from California in Washington. So District 3 uh includes I'll give you the if you're so you can figure out whether you're a voter in this district or not 
It includes, let's see, uh, well, I had it here a second ago. Let's see if I can pull it up. It includes all of Colusa, Sutter, and Yuba counties and portions of Glen, Lake, Sacramento, Solano, and Yolo counties. So, um, again, he would be our congressman and represent us in Washington, D.C. Now, this is quite a uh, an interesting uh, campaign because he's running against one of the older congressmen, uh, and that is John Garamendi. And John Garamendi has spent 45 years. You know, it's interesting when you think of what the founding father's concept was of being uh, serving the country in the legislature. I don't think they had a concept of a farmer becoming a politician or a logger becoming a politician or a blacksmith becoming a politician or a veterinarian becoming a politician. <coughs> but John Garamendi got out of college and went to the Peace Corps for a couple of years, and he became a politician. He never quit. In fact, he's just keep on running, just like the rest of them. Nancy Pelosi, a lot of those people back there, around 80 years of age. And John Garamendi right now is 74 years of age, and he's done a lot of things. He's been uh, in state government as an assemblyman, and as a senator, and he's also been the insurance commissioner of the state. He's been lieutenant governor of the state. And then when he was out of the – then he took an appointment from President Clinton and became his deputy secretary of interior for a while. But he's been our congressman here in the 3rd District uh, for a few terms now. And if you wonder, well, wonder what John Garamendi is about. Well, he's a, a very uh, strong Democrat. And uh, I used to call him when Barack Obama was president, and I thought he is the white Barack Obama because he would go on, on uh, YouTube and on television and just uh, preach about the wonderful attributes of Obamacare. And John Garamendi just thought Obamacare was wonderful. and He, he wanted to, the government to take over our health care. And uh, he also uh, recently voted twice uh, – and two votes to impeach President Trump. He also repeatedly has preserved the right to kill babies at any time in the birthing process. And finally, uh, I don't know if you remember when President Trump came in and we were right on the cusp of having all these terrorist attacks around the country. And uh, so they were targeting, just like they did during the Obama administration, they were targeting and looking at countries, we were looking at countries where terrorists were actually being organized and brought in from. And now two of those countries were Iraq and Syria. And so President Trump didn't want to stop all people from those countries, but he wanted to uh, develop uh, extra uh, requirements and extra screening for potential terrorists coming in from those countries. And so, um, so what happened is that uh, the liberals, the Democrats, because they want as many people in this country from other countries as possible so they can take over the voting process and take over control of the legislature. And so um, Garamendi voted with his Democratic cohorts to stop extra screening of terrorists from Iraq and Syria. Now, they, what they made it look like, uh, they made it look like President Trump was anti-Muslim, 
but he didn't ever, uh, he was never against Muslims per se. He was against terrorists, period. And it just so happens that all the terrorists been bombing around here and shooting people and flying planes into buildings have been Muslims. So uh, so that's Garamendi. So Obamacare voted to impeach the president, loves to kill babies, uh, and wants, does not want to screen, have heavier screening for terrorists coming in the country. And uh, he is definitely not for the wall. I didn't, I didn't add that in there, but it's true that he's... He's on uh, once open borders. So it's interesting that uh, Foyt is uh, is a businessman. He's uh, majored in business. Uh, he's got successful businesses. He's doing very well for himself, but he's wanting to give up uh, his private uh, desires and goals to serve the country for a time, not to become a career politician. So when you look at Garamendi's supporters, uh, right now, we don't have a list of Foyts because he's just getting started a couple months ago. Uh, the top industries supporting Garamendi are, are unions and real estate. So he's got the unions all in his corner, transportation union, building union, industrial union, government employees unions. And 70 to 80 percent of his financial support comes from outside District 3. So... Um, Foyt says, I'm running because it's time for the average American who has no desire to be politicians to stand up and change our country's path before it's too late. And uh, I've seen him speak twice now uh, locally here in the Yuba Sutter area. And the second time he brought all of his children and his wife. And and, uh, he's kind of doing some things for the same reason I am. He has four children, small children, and I have uh, five small children. Uh, grandchildren that I'm concerned about. That's the only reason I'm even bothering with a podcast. So uh, in in direct opposition to Garamendi, Fort says, I'm running for the unborn, the unheard, the the forgotten, and millions of unengaged, hardworking Americans who have lost hope in politics. Boy, isn't that the truth? A lot of people just, they don't vote. They don't think it does any good. Even when they think they voted correctly and get their way, a, a activist judge steps in and and uh, disqualifies the measure, something like that. Have you seen that over and over? That it's enough to discourage anybody. What we have is a broken system. We have a government that's taken over our country. The government was never supposed to run and take over our entire country. The people were supposed to run the country. Government was supposed to serve the people. Right now we have a socialist government where they're taking our money and redistributing it to the places and people that they want to support. So we give money, they take our money from us, we go out and work, they take our money from us, and then they give it to people who don't work or just come in this country illegally and they give them free health care. It's crazy. We've actually they, we've, uh, we've lost our national mind, and uh, California is the poster child for that. So... Foyt goes on to say, I'm running to restore common sense to government. All Americans deserve a government that empowers the individual and restores decision-making to the states and local communities where people are best equipped to fix our national problems. So um, anyway, if you're, you can't vote, this is interesting. The, you have to watch the voting rights situation in each of these states in California 
you cannot vote for a Republican candidate unless you are a registered Republican in the primary. So if you're if you're registered as an independent or declined to state or libertarian or something something, Democrat, you can't vote for Foyt in the primary. You can if he makes it into the uh, final election, the general election in California. The top two vote getters in the primary, whether they're both Democrats, whether they're both the same party or not, they both go into the the finals and uh, to to have their runoff. And so, uh, but if you want to vote for a new guy, a new fresh face, a new, a new way of thinking, uh, you're going to have to register. You still have plenty of time to register to vote. And if you want to register Republican, then you can get in on Foyt. So just, uh, one, one final comment says Foyt has written five books, produced 20 albums is founder of two businesses and three nonprofits. And, uh, he's done work all over the world, helping people that are, uh, the poor, uh, the refugees, downtrodden. So it's a it's an opportunity to retire a person that's been in here forty five years, and if he gets another two year term, that's forty seven years. It just to me, honestly, people, uh, just is too. I, I'm I'm wanting to get rid of all these old people. It's just time to go. I'm not against old people running for office. But I think when a person's been in there for almost five decades, it's just absurd. It just it's 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 totally crazy. So Sean Foyt, you spell it F E U C H T. F E U C H T, but it's pronounced Foyt, F O Y T. Sean Foyt. All right. Um let me get over to my other sheet here and see where I'm going next. Uh oh, we need, if you haven't uh, signed a petition in California, for those that are listening from California, I know some of you are out there in other states, but I'm telling you, you need to have California make some right decisions because your states are going to be affected by this move that's going on of turning everything over to a socialism and a planned economy, telling you where you can live. They're eliminating single-family housing in California. They're eliminating cars. They're eliminating fossil fuels. They're shutting down. They're going to force you into uh, bulk transportation, and that's not airplanes. You watch. They're going to start forcing the airplanes, the air, air carrier industry, to raise their prices because people are not going to want to take trains. They're too cumbersome, and they're too slow, and they don't take you where you want to go. So uh, if you're in another state, you need to take interest on how California is going. So please, 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 please sign the petition to recall Governor Newsom. And uh, I don't have time today to go through all the details, everything uh, of of why we should recall him. But uh, there's I could let me just name a few. For one, he wants to shut down the entire entire oil industry in California. He wants to shut down uh, any type of energy industry except green energy. It's going to collapse the state. He wants to shut. He's He took road money from us in SB1, and he's using it elsewhere. He's not using it for roads. They had plans to expand Highway 99, and they're not going to expand it. He just he They just bait and switch. That's a kind way of saying they're liars. So, um, 
you can go to ranaf.org. ranaf.org. That's a recall Gavin Newsom website. If you're in the Yuba Sutter counties, you can go out to Elite Universal Security. And that's really easy to find right off Feather River Boulevard, 5548 Feather River Boulevard. You can sign there. You can pick up blank petitions there. You can pick up signs there to put up. Uh, They will help you. It's very easy to get your friends to sign it. You can become a circulator of a petition. You can also register to vote out there. Please register to vote. If we're going to change the state, we need people that are going to vote correctly, intelligently, and actually go and vote. They got to go and vote. You got to go and vote and do this. Uh, It's interesting to me that people say their vote doesn't count, but then somebody else that voted and changed the whole way the state is, their vote counted. In fact, there's one guy, I can't remember, his name's Josh. Was it Josh? I can't remember the last name. He, He was the first time senator from Fullerton, California. He ran and he beat the he beat the Republican and he cast the deciding vote to give us the new increase in gas taxes and DMV fees. And his area around Fullerton, California, Orange County, out down in there, they turned around and recalled him after he cast that vote. It was too late regarding the vote, but they threw him out of office. Now that shows you the power of votes. And it shows you that you can make a difference. Now, please register to vote. And uh, I'm not a real staunch Republican. I'm I'm more conservative than Republicans, but I'm registered Republican so I can I can vote in these primaries and vote for a Republican candidate that's usually the conservative. All right. So we're coming to our first break here, and I'm going to play you a clip uh, about I got a couple Christmas clips. I know I'm still talking about Christmas, but we're still in the Christmas spirit. And I uh, want to play a politically correct Christmas uh, by some Canadians. So we'll be right back, and uh, get me something on my throat, and then we'll start once again. Today, we have the story of a very special holy day that has come to be known to religious people throughout the world as the day before Boxing Day. (laughs) Many years ago, in a faraway place called Bethlehem person, there were two young significant others searching for a temporary multi-room paid accommodation dwelling. The husband was a womb-disadvantaged person who toiled as a woodworking technician. The wife was an unsalaried home caregiver who, thanks to an interpersonal relationship with the non-denominational supreme being, had become virginally challenged. in an immaculate kind of way. The two spouses could not find lodging, so they had to sleep in a government-assisted public housing situation, along with other barnyard non-humans. 
And on this particular night, there was born unto this couple a gender non-specific offspring. <laughs> Joy spread quickly to a nearby shepherd as he or she watched over his or her flock of potential sweater providers. <laughs> and the gender non-specific offspring was visited by a trio of intelligent persons who brought gold, frankincense, and their friend, Murray. <laughs> Murray followed an alternate lifestyle, which in no way diminished his worth as a human person. The couple was grateful, although they really could have used an infant car seat and some huggies. And that's our story. Have yourself a happy, non-specific, seasonally correct, interdenominational, pseudo-holiday festive occasion. What does it mean that President Donald Trump has been impeached? I'm Randy Thomason with your SaveCalifornia.com Minute. First, it means many Americans have been deceived. The U.S. Constitution says only high crimes and misdemeanors, i.e. breaking specific laws, can justify impeachment. Yet since no breaking of laws is alleged, the House Democrats' impeachment of the president is illegitimate. Second, Trump's impeachment means your own legal rights are threatened. If you were falsely charged with a crime, you'd demand due process, right? But during the impeachment debate... Democrat House Majority Leader Steiny Hoyer said, quote, We provided the president every opportunity to prove his innocence. Wow, so now you have to prove your innocence instead of being innocent until proven guilty? See more at SaveCalifornia.com. Fighting the good fight for your values in California. Hey everyone, Reader Next at Valor Ridge. I just recently read an article from BearingArms.com. The synopsis of the entire article is that you have state representative in Virginia who has threatened to deploy the National Guard against communities that have adopted Second Amendment sanctuary resolutions. That includes county and municipalities. This is a threat from an elected official against the citizens of that state using military force and might and equipment that you pay for with your own taxes to disarm you of your Second Amendment right recognized in the Constitution and guaranteed by God and given by God. Now we've got a major problem here because now you have threats and they're not veiled, they're direct threats. I believe that when representatives do this, they cross the line. This isn't just against the citizens of Virginia. This is against the citizens of the United States of America. And if you think people in Bell County, Kentucky, or Claiborne County, Tennessee, or Lee County, Virginia are gonna tolerate that kind of stuff from happening, you are sorely mistaken. This is no different than General Gage deploying his troops at Lexington and Concord. We're going to disarm you, and we're going to use the military to do it. Tell me what the difference is. One is a decree. It's a decree by Parliament. It's a decree by the Virginia legislature. And if this legislation was so popular, if this legislation was so uh, needed, then why have over 80 counties and municipalities adopted Second Amendment resolutions? Go look at the map. I'll even put a link to Gun Rights Watch, and you can see all the counties there that have adopted such resolutions. There's only 90-something counties in Virginia, and over 80 of them already have adopted Second Amendment sanctuary resolution. So popularity is not on their side. So in short, what you've got are representatives advocating for up-armored Humvees, APCs, fully automatic weapons rolling right there on Wilderness Road. That's not going to be tolerated. It's not going to be tolerated by law enforcement in this community. It's not going to be tolerated by the citizens in this community. And I want to know if that state representative or the governor of Virginia himself will be at the head of that column. Will they be the one leading that assault? We are living in times where 
You may not have thought it would ever happen in your lifetime, yet here we are looking tyranny right in the face. We're looking at it just like our ancestors did. And having ancestors that fought right there in Virginia in the Revolutionary War, and not only the militia, but the Continental Army, I can tell you straightforward that uh, my ancestors were willing to fight for that soil once, and uh, I'm more than willing, more than willing, uh, to assist the citizens of Virginia when the time should come. This is Region X of Valor Ridge reminding you, the lessons that we learn are written on the tombstones of others. We'll see you on the ridge. All right, second segment, here we go. Uh, thank you for hanging with us here. Uh, I was just talking about the recall Gavin Newsom, so let me just pick it up here with Elite Universal Security and thank them for uh, at this Christmas time. Thank them for supporting us this last year, and it's helped us stay on the air. They support us when we're on the radio and just stuck with us. Elite Universal Security is a place you can go to work. In fact, I just heard on a pod uh, uh, youtube uh, cast that there's like over a million jobs that people are that people are looking for employees and we got all these people running around the streets holding out signs need food need money need tortilla chips and beer need marijuana uh want a handout and there's jobs out there where people can go to work and so elite universal security is looking for people that want to go to work Obviously, you have to have to be a, a guard, a security guard. You got to have a pass a background check, but they'll train you how to do it. Uh, you can check with API hyphen Academy, API hyphen Academy dot com to get involved with them all the way up to the Oregon border, all the way down below Sacramento, California, Northern California. They are guarding people's things, stuff, activities, all kinds of stuff, people and their things. That's what the police are supposed to be doing. But the politicians right now have the police handcuffed. They've handcuffed the police. Can't touch people that are breaking the law if they call them homeless, even though the big issue is drug addiction. But nobody wants to talk about that. So Elite Universal Security also does firearms courses. So they have one coming up, actually, this coming weekend, which is, by the time you hear this, probably going to be too late. But uh, the the next time they do it in the new year is January 11 and 12. So they'll do the in-class day, which is January 11. Then they'll go out to range on the 12th. So give them a call, and they will explain it to you. In fact, uh, you might even dip into their class on this, this coming Sunday if you hear this on Saturday. But I don't know when you're going to be listening to this podcast. Can you listen anytime you want? So you can call them at 530-749-0280, whether you want a job, you want to learn how to shoot, or maybe you want to get some, uh, buy a taser or some pepper spray and learn how to do that, right? So you can do it all through uh, Monty Hecker and... uh, I read this as sent to me by a friend of mine that I'm sure you've seen it. There's, it's called the Americans Creed, C-R-E-E-D. I've seen various things, uh, various statements that said it was the Americans Creed. This is sent to me by a friend who is, is a Vietnam vet, still is living, and he's a, a tough guy. He's uh, 
is a self-made guy, starts his own businesses, and has just started from scratch and done very well. And I, I know why he sent it out, because he believes in this and is the kind of person he is. And so it says, the American's creed, I do not choose to be a common man. It is my right to be uncommon. I seek opportunity to develop whatever talents God gave me, not security. I do not wish to be a kept citizen, humbled and dulled by having the state look after me. I want to take the calculated risk to dream and to build, to fail and to to succeed. I refuse to barter incentive for a dole, D-O-L-E, dole. I prefer the challenge, challenges of life to the guaranteed existence, the thrill of fulfillment to the state, stale calm of utopia. I will not trade freedom for ben- beneficence, nor my dignity for a handout. I will never cower before any earthly master, nor bend to any threat. It is my heritage to stand erect, proud, and unafraid, to think and act myself, enjoy the benefit of my creations, and to face the world boldly and say this, with God's help, I have done. All this is what it means to be an American. Now, this is very significant because there's an article, I don't know when I'll get to it later, but it talks about that through the dumbing down of our education, the, in, the intentional dumbing down of our education, our education system started out being independent where families educated their own kids and then was organized nationally through socialists. You can read all about it in history books, but you're not being told that. And so basically what we have, in fact, I have a clip later today in this, uh, in this uh, show, they'll talk about the socialization uh, creating people to be uh, robot thinkers. It's a very good clip by the Reason Organization. But the American's creed is unique. It's unique in the United States of America. You do not hear this kind of talk around the world. Uh, it's it. This is very uh, powerful stuff. And um, the reason I really believe in this and the guy that sent it to me is this type of person. And my father was this type of person. And my uncle, one of my uncles, was this type of person. They were self-made guys. They started their own businesses, took their own risks. They had huge failures because of uh, natural disasters and all kinds of stuff. But they got right back up and started over. America has been built this way, and it's unique among the nations of the world. And there's politicians like John Garamendi, 45 years in the government dole, getting a handout that uh, work against this and want to do redistribution of wealth. In other words, taking wealth from one person who worked their butt off for it and giving it to somebody else who didn't. So, um, all right, I'll leave that right there. Let's see. Oh, I got a, uh, I have a, a, one of the listeners asked if he could be my roving poop patrol reporter. Because of uh, this crazy uh, judges. Do you know judges? I used to have great respect for judges and FBI and IRS and all that stuff. But I had to settle down and just think through this thing. Just like there's there's perverted pastors, there are perverted just judges. And there are perverted uh, police officers. 
and uh, FBI agents and politicians. And you can't take anything for granted anymore uh, because the country is the wild, wild west in morale, in terms of morality. And so what's happening is uh, the government is saying that if a person decides to stay strung out on dope uh, or alcohol and decides they don't want to go to work and they can sleep on government property unless somehow we provide them a bed whenever they want to take it somewhere in the community. It's totally ludicrous. It's nutso. Those are activist judges. They are out of their ever-loving minds. And so uh, this one of our listeners, Eddie, has uh, a few months ago said, Lou, could I be your roving poop patrol reporter? So I said, go for it. So I got a note from him this week, and he says, Merry Christmas, or as they say in San Francisco, Merry Feces. Here's your holiday poop patrol report for December. Lou, with San Francisco continuing to lose conventions, do you think Governor Gabby Nuisance and the rest of the Fisocrats will pass a new law requiring conventions to give their conventioners free bottles of bleach and rubber boots. Now, what he's referring to is after 20 years, Bay Area, Oracle, Oracle is the, is the uh, massive technology organization, bazillion, worth bazillion of dollars. After 20 years of doing their huge conference, in uh, San Francisco, they have moved it. It cost San Francisco something like 60-some thousand rooms lost, and not, not even counting all the, <coughs> all the trade, the, the restaurant trade, shopping trade. It's incredible. So um, the article says here uh, <coughs> that, Eddie sent me, despite spending over $94 million or around $257,000 per day this year, San Francisco is still a needle-infested, crap-covered, failed experiment and tolerance that continues to scare a major conference and their tourist dollars away from the city's $9 billion-a-year industry. Now, already, one of the major medical conferences, it's a national medical conference, has uh, they moved out last year. And already Oracle now has reserved space for the next three years in Las Vegas, Nevada. Now, not only is it a problem with pollution, it's so interesting that that uh, the city that is claiming they were going to have zero waste, <laughs> zero garbage, right, zero waste, and they're going to recycle everything is is littered with thousands of piles of human uh, excrement up and down the streets and your ur- urine smell all over the place. And uh, so they lost uh, a fantastic amount of money, like something like $65 million was lost uh, on this recent Oracle uh, moving of their uh, big conference to Las Vegas. Now just the difference in the prices of rooms in San Francisco, a room might cost you $240, $250, according to these hotel uh, survey operations. If you go over to Las Vegas, you can get a room for less than 100 So it's not just it's, uh, it's just not unclean and the fact that you might get a disease over here or you might get your car broke into. By the way, last year in 2018, 
more than 30,000 vehicles were broken into. Now, who wants to drive their vehicle in, into San Francisco? It's incredible. So Mayor London Breed participated in a media blitz in response to the software giant Oracle's decision to move their massive annual convention to Las Vegas. And while they were doing this big media blitz, there's a picture of a guy that's being sent around the uh, – it's going viral on all the uh, the different types of social media. And there's a guy not outside Safeway but inside Safeway squatting in one of the aisles, one of the grocery aisles, aisles relieving himself right in Safeway in San Francisco while London Breed is saying, really, you can trust us. We got this. We're on top of it. And uh, – so it, it showed a picture of London Breed, who's the mayor, um, flanked by city, civic, and tourist industry leaders in front of a giant Christmas tree trying to convince people that this is really a wonderful city to come to. And while they were doing that, they were having this picture of this guy taking a squat. And I have it right here on my computer. It's just it's the most shocking. It's just it's totally crazy. It's just crazy. And so the San Francisco Travel uh, Bureau's CEO, Joe Del Alessandro, said, we don't want Oracle to be the beginning of a trend. If that becomes the case, San Francisco will be in for some very rough times. So if you ever trade at the Marina Safeway in San Francisco, that is where there's a picture on the Internet of a guy with his pants around down around his ankles, and he's squatting, uh, relieving himself. Not number one, folks. It's number two. So, uh, so that they took a survey, right? And uh, this called researchers called destination analysts over a ten month period found that despite the homelessness, dirty streets, and expense, ninety seven percent of hotel visitors in San Francisco said they are they are likely to return to San Francisco, according to the Chronicle. So uh, we'll see. We'll see because uh, Oracle, in just one move, and they're and they're not coming back next year. They made a three-year, a minimum of three-year commitment, and that's between sixty and seventy thousand hotel rooms over a several-day period. Uh, that is going to be invested in Las Vegas. I would much rather go to Las Vegas and uh, San Francisco. That's the way I feel about it. So. Um, now, now the interesting thing is you would think that Gavin Newsom, with all the praise he gives himself, he wouldn't blame his problems on Trump. He would just stand up and, and tell how he's going to solve everything. But he's constantly telling what a wonderful guy he is. <coughs> and uh, But he keeps complaining that all his problems, any problem he has in the state, is Trump's fault. Now, the interesting thing is Trump has issued a warning on uh, this past Wednesday, um, yesterday or a couple days ago, threatening federal intervention if Newsom is unable to solve his state's homeless crisis. Now, this is interesting. I've never seen such a thing. I mean, this, I've seen the uh, United States government intervene when there was racism and they were trying to uh, desegregate schools or they're trying to integrate schools 
Trump says Governor Newsom has done a really bad job on taking care of homeless population in California. We're the only place in the country, pretty much, that's increasing. Do you know that? And we're spending more and more on it. We lead the nation in the number of homeless people with an estimated total of 100 and round figure 30,000. It's just bad. It's really bad. And so Newsom is claiming that it's all, everything is Trump's fault, but Newsom is the one. People say, well, do you think we should really uh, throw out the governor? Well, I don't know. Do you want open borders? Do you want to allow anybody that wants to vote to vote, whether they're a citizen or not? Would you like to have, uh, do you want your tax dollars, your money taken from you and paying for people in Mexico to have health insurance? That's what they're doing. People, foreigners that have no business here, they're not citizens here. And all this baloney that these immigrants are paying taxes is nonsense. They're taking more, much more money out of the system than they're paying into it. That's a myth. It's a lie. And so we have Trump, and uh, I don't know exactly how Trump would go about changing things up unless he just began to arrest people, but... We have these activist judges that are saying you can't touch a person unless they decided their own free will to move off public property, quit doing drugs. You know, there's no drug rehab. Nobody's going to rent a place to somebody who's on drugs. They'll destroy the place even if someone else pays for it. You know, even if the government pays for something with Section 8 housing, they call it, people still destroy the property. And, And even though you get your rent paid, you can't get get enough rent to have to repair the whole piece of property. <coughs> so let's see. Oh, let me give you an update. We've got a couple minutes here. Let me give you an update, if I have it here close, on Measure K. So you remember Measure K, where the local government here passed it illegally, Major K was a 1% sales tax increase, and once we took it to court after it passed with a a simple majority, which was illegal, should have passed with two-thirds for that type of a revenue measure, uh, Judge Stephen Barrier ruled that it was illegal, the measure. So instead of just accepting that and putting a different measure on the ballot, the, the supervisors and administrators, Yuba County, decided to appeal it. They got very little chance to win this, but the interesting thing is, if you understand how these revenue measures work, even if it's illegal, since it, it quote-unquote, passed with at least minimum, they get to collect all the money, which is, at a conservative view, is about $10,000 a day. This is Christmas time. Know all you like strap, scrap for money, strap for money, and scrapping around to find a few things, uh, extra money to buy gifts for people and do special things for your kids. So 10000 extra dollars a day are being pulled out of Yuba County residents' pocket because Yuba County supervisors said they needed more money, and they said for police and fire, but really it's just about pensions. Everybody's going broke because of pensions. And so right now we've spent, uh, we've had over $3.3 million since April 1st, 2019 removed from the pockets of citizens to to line the pockets of government employees it's totally a ripoff if you if you drive by the jail in in uh 
Yuba County between B and C and fifth and sixth. Uh, a lot of those people in there have not done anything near what the supervisors have to rip off the uh, citizens. So nobody in that jail has stolen $3.3 million from people, but our supervisors have, including the uh, CEO of the county, Robert Bendorf, and the rest of his cohorts. They're ripping off people at $10,000 a day. We lock up people in the jail. They've been in there for a year or two, and nobody's stolen that kind of money. But they violated the law, and the way that the uh, corrupt government of the state of California is, instead of that law being invalidated right at the time and stop collecting that tax, they still get to collect the tax, and whether or not they get they lose at the appellate court or not, the county still gets to spend that tax dollars. Is that unbelievable? It's the craziest thing I've ever heard of, and it's just flat wrong. And we we owe an apology to the criminals that live in that four-story tall building uh, in the center of Marysville called Yuba County Jail. And and we what we need to do is put the supervisors over there and and do a a release on some of the less less offenders, less uh, less violent offenders. So we're going to come right back. This is our second break. Let's see, what are we going to do right now? Again, I'm going to t- play you another politically correct Christmas clip. to make a point, those who discuss law and government and politics for a living often miss the most crucial, the most critical point of all. So as we celebrate Christmas this year, it's a good time to take a deep breath and revisit the first principles of America. We should remember the political significance of Christmas. Don't get distracted by arguments that early Christians latched onto a pre-existing pagan holiday to establish the date of Christmas. That may be true, but it is a distraction from what's truly important. The important thing is the birth of the Savior, Jesus Christ. The birth of the Savior is the most significant political event in human history. This bears repeating. The birth of Jesus Christ is the most significant political event in the history of the universe. Why? Well, simply put, it is because liberty does not and cannot exist absent the acknowledgement of the almighty, omniscient, living and everlasting God of the Bible, whose Son is Jesus Christ, who created the world entered his own creation and sacrificed his life to cover our sins and make us presentable before the throne of grace. For liberty to exist in the world, this acknowledgement of Christ's authority must exist in the hearts of the people, and it must be the operating principle of civil government. If it is, then peace on earth will prevail. But to the extent that the hearts of the people are distracted and the civil government forgets it is a ministry of Jesus Christ, is the extent that injustice, chaos, corruption, and tyranny will prevail. Now, you may not share the Christian beliefs I've just described, but that doesn't affect my point here because it is indisputable that the founders of American government believed them and established a system of law and liberty based on them. 
So, your disbelief in them does not extinguish them. Whatever beliefs you personally hold, please remember that far from violating any law, the acknowledgement of Jesus Christ as a source of law and government is the very first presupposition of American government. It is contained in the Declaration of Independence, which is the organic law of the United States. The Declaration states, There is a Creator God, that our rights to life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness come from Him, and that the purpose of civil government is simply to secure the rights He gave to His creation. Therefore, celebrating Christmas through nativity displays, public prayer, sacred song, and all other forms of Christian witness are consistent with and supportive of the American view of law and liberty and are the essence of American government. Publicly celebrating the blessed birth of the Savior of the world is not only lawful, it is patriotic in the purest sense and the most politically correct thing you can ever do. So with that, we at the Institute on the Constitution wish you a very Merry Christmas. This is Jake McCauley. And Dominic McCauley. With the Institute on the Constitution, bringing you The, the American, American View. The man I'm talking about was not a Scrooge now. He was a kind, a decent, a mostly good man, generous to his family and upright in his dealings with other men, but he just did not believe in all of that incarnation stuff which the churches proclaim at Christmas time. It just did not make sense, and he was too honest to pretend otherwise. He could not swallow the Jesus story about God coming to earth as a man. He told his wife, I'm truly sorry to distress you, but I'm just not going with you to church this Christmas Eve. He said he'd feel like a hypocrite, that he'd much rather just stay home, but that he would wait up for them. So he stayed, and they went to the midnight service. Now, shortly after the family drove away in the car, snow began to fall. He went to the window to watch the flurries getting heavier and heavier. Then he went back to his fireside chair, began to read his newspaper. Minutes later, he was startled by a thudding sound, and then another, then yet another. At first he thought somebody must be throwing snowballs against the living room window. But when he went to the front door to investigate, he found a flock of birds huddled out there miserably in the snow. They had been caught in the storm in a desperate search for shelter. They had tried to fly through his large landscape window. That was what had been making the sound. Well, he couldn't let those poor creatures just lie there and freeze. So he remembered the barn where his children stabled their pony. That would provide a warm shelter. All he would have to do is direct the birds into that shelter. Quickly, he put on a coat and galoshes, and he tramped through the deepening snow to the barn, and he opened the doors wide. And inside the barn, he turned on a light so the birds would know the way in. But the birds did not come in. So he figured that food would entice them. He went back into the house and fetched some breadcrumbs and sprinkled those on the snow, making a trail of breadcrumbs to the yellow-lighted, wide-open doorway of the stable. But to his dismay, the birds ignored the breadcrumbs. The birds just continued to flop around helplessly in the snow. He tried catching them. He could not. He tried shooing them into the barn by walking around them, waving his arms, but instead they scattered in every direction, every direction except into the warm-lighted barn. And that's when he realized that they were afraid of him. 
They were afraid of him. To him he reasoned, I'm a strange, terrifying creature. If only I could think of some way to let them know that they can trust me, that I'm not trying to hurt them but to help them. But how? Any move he made tended to frighten them and confuse them. They just would not follow. They would not be led or shooed because they feared him. And he thought to himself, if only I could be a bird now, if I could be a bird and mingle with them and speak their language and tell them not to be afraid, then I could show them the way to the safe, warm barn. But I would have to be one of them, wouldn't I? So they could see and hear and understand. At that moment, the church bells began to ring. The sound reached his ears. Above the sounds of the wind. And he stood there listening to the bells. Adeste Fidelis. Listening to the bells pealing the glad tidings of Christmas. And he sank to his knees in the snow. Paul Harvey, I hope for you and those you love, this will be a wonderfully merry Christmas. Here we go again. Uh, I want to move on now, and, and uh, I always, uh, just the way I'm, I'm designed, I always over-prepare or have more to talk about than uh, than we have time for. I just feel more comfortable that way. So uh, I want to talk, uh, before we get in, and get into the second half of the show, I want to give plenty of time to talk about some of these tax measures that are happening in the local area. Now, um, wherever you are in the country, uh, you're affected by tax measures. And so your state government may collect taxes. Some of them may not. Some of them may not collect an income tax, state income tax. But whether or not they do, you're paying a property tax. But then if they want to increase, increase a sales tax, some states don't have a sales tax. Some have a sales tax. Some have just a sales tax and no income. Some have income and no sales. Some have both. California has everything and high taxes and everything. They tax everything. Whether it moves or not, they tax it. And so um, you need to pay attention to the taxes, and, and you need to pay attention to what the reason given for the taxes is because oftentimes the people that are proponents or the people behind the taxes do not want to be honest about the real reason for the taxes because they know if you knew the real reason, you wouldn't vote for it. Like the misspending of funds or the 
too many administrators. Uh, And so at some point you have to say, listen, enough taxes, enough, 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 enough. So in 2006, we had uh, a tax measure. We okayed it. And if you'd looked at Yuba College, at least the one located in Yuba County, there's several campuses now throughout a several county area called Yuba, Yuba Community College District. And so what happened is, is uh, I, I, I would look at Yuba College when I'd go out there every once in a while. I think, doesn't anybody take any pride in this college? They don't paint it. The roofs are leaking. And so I realized that in the budget of these schools, they don't budget for maintenance. They just let everything fall to hell in a handbasket. Then they go out and try to get a bond. So they got a bond passed. And right after they passed the bond in 2006, the economy crashed. And so the interest rates to go out and then sell the bonds, circulate the bonds, the interest rates went through the roof. And so in spite of that, Yuba College trustees voted to go out and sell or put out $4.6 million in capital appreciation bonds. And those bonds, in order to get that money, in other words, people say, okay, I'll take one of those bonds and I'll I'll give you some money. In order to pay those back, it was going to cost $12 in payback for every $1 borrowed. (coughs) I have never borrowed any money in my life. I have borrowed money uh, to buy a house, and uh, and when I paid, I at that time we had to pay about seven percent interest, and uh, I paid double payments, so I the second payment wouldn't wouldn't be paying any interest. I used to pay more two and more payments a month to get out of that interest because I knew that it was a punishment for not having the money up front. But in this case, for every dollar. We got got in our hands at the Yuba College District to spend on fixing our buildings. We had to pay twelve dollars back. So when that was under a, uh, another chancellor named Harrington, when Doug Houston came in, he learned about this and threw a fit. And I'm not quite sure what financial miracle they did, but they did something to kind of refinance those bonds. <coughs> But that's what the super the supervisors there's differing views on whether they were misled or they didn't care. But I remember writing an article to the, uh, a letter to the editor to the uh, uh, Appeal Democrat back then, complaining about how ridiculous, what a horrible financial uh, commitment that was to make to tie the hands of all the uh, citizens or voters or property owners of the. Yuba County Community College District, right? So it's a huge waste of money. The chancellor back then was a gal named Nikki Harrington. And uh, she said, oh, yeah, we knew exactly what we were doing. The board knew exactly what they were doing. And then the board said, oh, no, we really didn't know what we were doing. And whether they knew it or not, that's both bad, right? When the board is sitting at the board and they don't know what they're doing, that's bad. And then they say, yes, we knew exactly what we were doing and spending $12 to get $1. That's loan sharking. I mean, that's incredible. So anyway, that's what happened 2006. Now, here we are in 2019. I think we still still owe uh, the bonds that were uh, extended. And by the way, 
What they did with a lot of that money is they built a, a new campus just across the river in Sutter County. Just a, it's a, just a river. It probably take you 10 minutes to drive from one campus to another. Why'd they do that? Just for convenience of students. We're not talking about crossing Sacramento. We're trying, talking about crossing Marysville. And so they built this fantastic new building out there. And so, um, so now they, they claim that we still owe $190 million. You got it? $190 million is still owed on the bonds that we borrowed back in 2006 to build a new campus in Sutter County out on Highway 99 and repair some of the buildings over in uh, – and build a new building over in, in Yuba County. They built a new health and uh, safety building or whatever over there. So anyway, um, but as I began to look in this Yuba College thing, I realized something as I began looking around the Internet. You can do the same thing. I'm not a miracle worker. I'm not that smart. But I found that of all the states in the union, Yuba, the college system in California, the junior college system, commonly called community college system people are not attending it like they used to be used to be they're going elsewhere and the so another way to say that is the enrollment is dropping and so i wondered <coughs> about a year ago the democrats who control both houses of the legislature in california they have what we call a supermajority they decided that we're going to give free first-year education to all students. Now, there's, is it really free? Who's paying for those teachers? Who's paying for those books? Who's paying for the electricity? Who's paying for the custodians? Who's paying for the guy that mows the lawn? Free to students. Where's that money coming from? I thought we had plenty of money. Why would they make things free? And I, I, I just couldn't understand. Why would you make things free when you're you're not paying your bills now? And then I realized it because I ran onto an article totally by coincidence saying that the the uh, attendance at California junior colleges is, is at a 20-year low. So why would you need all these campuses, brand-new buildings, and if you go out to, I just was out at the Yuba College campus the other night at watching a basketball game here in in Yuba County, uh, outside of Marysville. The pu- parking lot was paved, looked beautiful. Have new solar system above it. There's some new buildings. the The gym that's been out there for decades and decades it looks beautiful, well kept, very nice. And I'm sure they've done a lot of repairs out there. <coughs> but the fact is. If people aren't using that campus, why keep keep all these campuses? Why are you expanding campuses when kids aren't using those schools? If they're if they're figuring out how to go get a job by going to a tech school, by going to a four year college, or by going in the military, or by going straight into employment and learning on the job, like through an apprenticeship, apprenticeship program, why do we invest more and more in in, in brick and mortar? And I just couldn't figure out what's going on here. So now the newest proposal 
it's going to be Measure C on the 2020 ballot is is we already owe 190 190 million. Now they're going to ask us to approve them, allowing them to float another 228.4 million in bonds. When we end up paying that back, that's going to be 412 million to to use to, to say I if somebody says I'm going to give you 228 dollars, but I want 412 dollars back, would you do it? Most people would not do that. But now they're going to want $412 million to pay off $228.4 million, plus we add up, add the 412 to the 190. We're pushing $700 million that we're going to owe for 30, 40, 50 years. It's totally crazy. For what? And so the list of things that they want to do with it is crazy. In fact, I don't even know where it is. I'll, I have it laying around here somewhere. I'll find it. One of the things is they're going to add another building to that Sutter campus. Why would you add another building if, you're, if your enrollment's down? Now, my friends, they did a freedom. They called out to Yuba College. Now, I want to, if I called almost any school, I bet if I called any school administration in our area except Yuba College, and I'd say, can you tell me what your attendance is right now over there? How many kids are sitting in those seats? They'd tell me. In fact, my friend Doug Eshman, who used to be the principal just four blocks down the street from me, he could not only tell me how many kids are in the seats, he would tell me how many are inter-district transfers or intra-district. Just off the top of his head or with a flip of a one piece of paper in his binder. But when we called Yuba College, they could not tell us how many people attend that school? Now, don't you think that's odd? Don't you think that if you're an administrator at that school, or if, if I was a secretary, administrative secretary, you don't think I'd know how many kids are enrolled in our school? Now, if there's 36,229, I could get it. But uh, I just can't believe that they can't tell us how many people are enrolled. So they told us that it's going to take something like six weeks. We, get, we gave a list of questions, right? to answer because we're trying to figure out what the facts are out there because it's not clear because when people want to get bonds passed, they don't, they're not totally transparent. Now, uh, I'm trying to look up here something that, uh, so it's interesting. It, it says off the, uh, off one site here that, uh, no on vote, no on Measure C, or no. I'll have to look up the exact site, the bond site. Uh, I think it's no on Yuba College number five is what it is, but I'll have to double check it. But anyway, it says here that Yuba College uh, and a community college review site online it says Yuba College has six thousand six hundred and forty students. Forty two percent of those are full time. 42%. So that's less than less than half, right? That would mean that there are over 2700 full-time students at Yuba College. That's at the all the campuses, right? However, there's another website called nichenice.com that gives different information. And it says that Yuba College, that's all the campuses. That's Yuba, Sutter, Lake, uh Calusa, all over the place, they have 1,535 full-time students. 
Now, Marysville High School, oh, and also has 3,994 part-time students. Now, Marysville High School, when I graduated from there, we had 2,300 full-time students. Now, at Marysville High, we didn't definitely did not have any $600 million debt associated with our school. Uh, so the the website uh, or the Facebook site that you need to keep up with on this bond is Yuba College Bond and the, and the number five, you know, the hash marks five. Yuba College Bond number five hyphen vote no. And you can stay up with what's going on with this bond. Now, here's the interesting thing. I stumbled across the fact that for some reason in, in the state of California, kids are no longer attending junior colleges like they once were. So why do we want to fund building more colleges? Shut them down. I was in a, when I visited a church in uh, Harlem, New York, uh, 20 years ago, probably now, uh, they had purchased an abandoned junior high school that was one block square in the center of New York, Harlem, New York. It was an amazing uh, set of buildings. They were thrashed, but they had rebuilt them. They they had redone them, and it was beautiful. They had done a great job. What happened? Life changed in Harlem, and the demographics changed, and they didn't have all the kids they they once needed to educate in that part of the city. So they just shut that school down. So maybe we need to shut down some of these colleges. Now, the interesting thing that another person in town here, James Sheaf, James Seif, uh, stumbled across is shocking. And it says California community colleges have a $2.7 billion in unfunded retiree health care obligations. Now, everywhere we look, whether it's law enforcement, fire, general employees, teachers, they they cannot pay. The politicians have agreed to pay these pensions, and they can't pay the pension and health care costs. So when you go down, now here's the other thing. I used to be on the school board for Yuba County Office of Education. That does not include Yuba College. That's just the county. <coughs> and, you know, we would get a budget, and we'd have to approve the budget at the county level, our, our trustees, the board members. And I didn't realize this for quite a while. But the the debt on PERS and STRS, Cal STRS, which is teachers, that's the teachers' uh, retirement fund. Cal PERS is just government employees' retirement fund. When you looked at the budget, you know, expenses and income and then how much we still owe, they did not, they were not required by the state of California to show what the pension debt was. So it always made it look like we were doing okay. Well, then there's this thing called GASB, G-A-S-B, G-A-S, GASB, G-A-S-B. And that's initials for Government Accounting Standards Board. So finally, the legislature, somebody down there said, hey, hey, wait a minute. It's like if you go buy a house, right? And so when the when you go to qualify for the loan, they say, well, what's your income? What's your expenses? And tell us what your other debts are, like how, how much you owe on credit cards. Do you owe on other property? So it'd be like going in to get a loan on a house, and you go in and say you owe two or $300,000 to other things, but you don't have to show that. And you keep the person in the dark. 
that's trying to loan you a couple hundred thousand to buy this new house, and you don't tell them what your other debts are. That's exactly what the legislature had allowed the, the, the school boards to do and the governments to do where they wouldn't have to show. Now, how do you think that happened? That's It happened because unions said, listen, we don't want the people to know the facts about how much these pensions are costing them. If the citizens ever wake up to the fact of how much we're screwing them with all these pensions and health plans when they can't afford that kind of pension, but we're taking money away from them, uh, they will throw a fit. Well, finally, they changed it, and they they passed statement number 45. Uh, and then statement 75 further elaborated on that where it said you got to show the pension liability in your budget. You got to show it. So now uh, in this um, document that James Seif found, it's an article written by Alan Wheeler about California colleges. And it's an amazing article because it lists every community college district from A to Z. Antelope Valley Community College District on down to Yuba Community College District. We don't have, I don't think we have a Z. We just have a, the last one is Yuba, Yuba Duba Doo. And let me double check and make sure I'm not giving you a bum steer here. Yeah, Yuba College is the final of, of the, there's like 30 or 40 of them, right? Yuba College is one of the worst offenders of all of them. It's not the worst. <coughs> But I'll just give you an example. Now, on this breakdown, it, it gives you this. It gives you the unfunded OPEB liability. And I'll tell you what OPEB stands for. It stands for Other Post-Employment Benefits, OPEB, Other Post-Employment Benefits. So when it says unfunded Other Post-Employment Liability, that means they owe the money, but they have no funds to pay it. Then That's one column. The next column says full-time equivalent students, FTES. And the final column is unfunded OPEB liability per FTES. In other words, they divide the full-time equivalent students into the unfunded liability to give how much per student of unfunded liability there is. Right? You got that? And so they list it for all these community colleges, every single one of them. And there's, let's see, one, oh, there's probably, there's probably 40 or maybe 50. It ends up, it, oh, maybe there's more than that. It's just a huge number. It ends up with Yuba Community College, and I'm going to, I'll tell you the rest of the story uh, once we get back. This is our third break, and, uh, this is called a politically, I got a lot of politically correct stuff on here today. So uh, check this out and we'll be right back. I'm just going to take a swig of water and lube my vocal cords up. All right. Okay, so next on our agenda, we have our annual staff Christmas party. And, well, because of the blackface Halloween incident, 
really cracking the whip on this one. Maybe we should stick to a holiday party. Mm, the term party could be threatening to the IT department. Okay, holiday team building event. Is it paid? Optional holiday team building event. That's good. Uh, John, he'll be our Santa again this year, I think. Mm, don't you think it's a little bit sexist to have a man play Santa again? Okay, Jenny, you can be Santa. That's fine. All right. Yeah, we probably shouldn't have any Santas. Okay, so just have a self-serve gift station. But nothing too pricey. Six packs for the guys, rosé for the girls. Maybe we should have a more gender-neutral gift, like uh, like tequila for everyone. Actually, I just got a uh, anonymous email. Someone requesting a non-alcoholic event, so... <sighs> Carrie. It's totally Carrie. That's Carrie. So we'll have a um, class and gender neutral substance-free gift, right? Should we be giving the Weinsteins eight gifts? Eight gifts? That's like a handout, isn't it? Sounds like a handout. Um, what about food? Food. Potluck. Yeah. That could promote a lot of diversity. Kim could bring Chinese. Could do Kim's Korean. Food. And he doesn't cook. I could make angel food cake. Two Christian. Um, gingerbread. Right? Uh, redheads. Fruit cake. Jesus Christ. Anyway, I mean, our dietary restrictions list, we can't have gluten or sugar or dairy or meat. So, I mean, food. What about drinks? Um, bottled water, uh, maybe? Tap water. Tap water. Cups. Oh, I have a ton of cups from my birthday party left over. I'll just bring those. Oh, but those are red cups. So? Yeah, just bring clear cups. Can we bring a, a plus one? Wait, do you have a girlfriend? Um, life partner. Thanks. Boyfriend? Okay, yeah, you can bring a guest. Okay? Oh, what if you're single? I mean, that could trigger... Okay, no guests. No guests. Okay? But, but that's not inclusive. Uh, some platonic guests are allowed. All right, so Christmas music is, is out. Obviously. Uh, should we pick a date? Oh, yeah. It says here that uh, some people actually believe Christ was born in April. April? Yeah, some people believe it, I believe it. Some Christmas party. Threat to free speech is the government. Government. The tendency to want to create a government agency and government supervisors. That tendency seems to be very great right now, and that's the biggest threat. The greatest threat to free speech is any person or any entity who thinks that their idea is more powerful and more important than yours and tries to take it from you by force. The belief that civil discourse can be made better by government controlling things. The political class does not like to have political speech protected, because they don't like criticism and they don't like being told what a bunch of jackasses they actually are. It's well-intentioned people on the left and the right who, who are moralists on both sides, who have strong feelings for what is right and who want to, uh, in our own good interest, impose it on us. The two political parties, both of them uh, have uh, politically correct uh, sensibilities uh, about, um, about them. The media, because they never usually accurately report exactly what you say. They put their own spin, they put their own spin on the facts even, until presented to another media outlet and to let them put their own spin, and eventually you get about 50% of the truth. 
I've always said it was political correctness because if you can't speak openly and freely without being accused in a reactionary manner as being a fascist or a, a racist or a sexist or a homophobe or an anti-Muslim, what it does is it chills free speech. Idiocy, narrowness, um, provincialism. Any attempts uh, at uh, curbing the uh, speech on the internet? All the people who are freaking out about the greatest free, ex free expression tool in the last 500 years, the internet. People think it lowers the level of discourse. It doesn't. It just lets you know the level of discourse. Net neutrality, I think this is a, a huge threat to uh, anyone who wants to be able to say what they want. Probably apathy on the part of the public who is probably not either educated enough or um, insufficiently interested in public policy. To me, it's, it's young people not fully understanding the history of this country and it, the history of the First Amendment. To some extent, misuse of those freedoms for both malicious, partial truth purposes. I think the biggest threat to free expression is the war on terror. It is the concept of terrorism and the way it is propagandized by governments around the world. We say give me liberty and give me death, but the minute the death approaches, we are willing to sell out liberty uh, down the river and uh, take our chances with whatever happens to come after it. Welcome back. So we're talking about bonds, and a bond is a loan. A bond is a loan. Now, some bonds are uh, against the general fund, like the B Street boondoggle bond of the city of Marysville is against the general fund. comes right out of our tax dollars. And then uh, other bonds uh, are taken off our property taxes, like this bond, the Yuba College if you live in the city uh, in Yuba County or Sutter County or maybe parts of Butte County or Yolo County, Lake County, Calusa County, <clears throat> if you look at your property tax statement, you'll have bonds in there. You'll have some levy bonds, utility bonds. So you have your property taxes. And then in addition to your property taxes, you have these little bonds, $40, $50 here, $60, $70 there, and uh, maybe $200 here. And uh, they just, and those will be on there beyond when you're living on this earth because there's huge amounts of money. And so uh, when they, <clears throat> so the write-up for Measure C that's going to appear on the ballot, it mentions nothing on the, it tells how they're going to spend the money. For one thing, it says they're going to expand wildland firefighting program, allow for increases in nursing, develop teacher credentialing, expand career and technical stuff, construct new labs, meet handicap accessibility, construct agriculture, construct, construct, construct. So um, one thing they don't say one thing about is they're going to pay higher salaries or more pensions. Now, this is something you need to be careful about. They say, well, Lou, 
like somebody said it's somewhere that they said we're not going to pay any money for administrators no more money for administrators and when you go out and look at how many administrators are in these colleges today it's unbelievable making 150 175 200,000 a year administrator chancellor vice chancellor dean vice dean in fact, I'm still, I, I was trying to do some uh, project out there at Yuba College, and they wanted me to call them, come out and talk to them, and I called them and tried to make an appointment. No one ever even called me back. And I think, man, with all these administrators, somebody ought to at least call you back. But anyway, uh, they don't talk to you, talk anywhere here about uh, paying money for pensions. Now, let me explain something to you. Some monies that gov- government gets or gives to these uh, schools is is mandated money for a certain reason. It's got to be used for a certain purpose. Other monies are what we call fungible. Fungible. It doesn't mean it has a fungus. That means that the money can be moved around. So when they say, "Oh, we're going to expend, we're going to spend all this money," none of this money is going to go for pensions. There's lots of other money that's coming in that 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 relieves that other money that's already coming in each year from the state of California and from uh, tuition, et cetera, other resources to be used for pensions. Now, that's why we have a big problem here. That's, that's the hitting. This is the elephant in the room. So what we have here is per student, according to this, uh, this uh, article, Yuba Community College has nearly fifty million, fifty billion, fifty billion dollars in unfunded liabilities, employment benefit liabilities, and they they actually give them the benefit of the doubt. They said they have over seven thousand seven hundred students, and not just out here in outside of Marysville, but throughout the entire Yuba County Yuba College Community District. Okay. When they divide that out, that's over $6,000 per student. Now, many of these colleges don't have debt at all, like Victor Valley Community College. They have more students than Yuba College, and they only, they have, uh, they, uh, they're in actually really good shape. They're in the negative. In other words, they're in the positive. They don't owe money. We have some of these colleges that actually don't owe money. Um, but you have other colleges. I'll give you one that's even worse than you, but it's unbelievable. Peralta Community College. They have 20,000 students. They owe $10,000 a student unfunded liability. There's one other. I think there's worse than this, one other one. Uh, I think there must be around 50 of these colleges. Chabot. Uh, Las Positas Community College. I think Chabot, we actually play them in football here. They have 16,000 students. They owe $11,000 per student and unfunded liabilities. That's the problem we have here. And what's happening, what's scary is we have these liabilities that we cannot pay. So there's a, and, and at the same time that the, uh, the use of the colleges is dropping. So we built all these beautiful buildings and, uh, we have these beautiful campuses, football stadiums, tracks, and uh, and we have no very little need. So when there's a, uh, I have a graph on my computer here shows the state of California and it has each college district divided up. 
right? And it shows in bright, bright red if if you owe from 9000 to 12000 It's almost like a blood red. Then a lighter red, 6000 to 9000 And then brown, 3000 to 6000 0 to 3000 And then some that are in, actually, they have a positive flow. Yuba College, community college, is one of the worst community college districts in the state of California. No question about it. It's not even a, a it's not even close. And so uh, Kern County in, is in real big, bad shape. Chabot's in bad shape. Uh, but Yuba College is in terrible shape, and that's what's going on. So right now we have we're right now. Uh, and some of you in the Yuba College District out in, uh, in in Yuba County, you got bonds for local schools that are coming on. Plumas Lake's going to have a bond. Plumas Lake school system. Wheatland school system is going to have a bond. You pass those, you're going to have, you're going to expand on this. So right now we have A, B, C, D bonds, four bonds. A's got 11 years remaining. You're going to be paying on it for 11 years. B's got 26 years. C's got 30 years. D's got 19 years left. These aren't even bonds that we're talking about. These are bonds that are already on your property tax bill. You may not even be seeing them because they may be buried in your mortgage payment, and you don't even really pay attention to the bill itself. So besides that, you have other bonds on there like levy bonds and stuff, but now they're going to want to add, if you add a Plumas Lake bond and a Wheatland bond, that's that gets you up to six, and you add another college bond, that's seven or eight. It's crazy. Um, so one question is, says Chancellor Houston, <coughs> says on the uh, Facebook site, Yuba College bond number five, vote no. Chancellor Houston states that Major C prohibits funds from this bond going to administrator's salaries, pension, and benefits. Now, let, let me just, but says, okay, but what about major C funds going to teachers and classified staff, library staff, bus staff, grounds, custodial salaries, pension, and benefits? They don't say anything about that. But remember what I said about fungible? Right now, the college is running, they have a budget, and they're being funded by the state of California. What they're after now is, is there after an additional bond that will all go to them? It won't be shared throughout the entire state of California. All this bond money will come to the Yuba Community College District. And what I'm telling you is that the money they're already getting from the state of California will then be, be able to be more highly devoted to pensions and benefits rather than to all the needs that this new bond is going to try to take care of. You see what I'm saying? They're just moving money around. So they say, oh, this money is not going to go for pension and benefits. But then if you said, well, okay, we don't want any more of the other money to go for pension and benefit either. either. If you say that to them, hey, we want to know how much money that you're currently giving to pensions and benefits, and is that going to increase? You know what they're going to say? They're going to say, if they're honest, they're going to say, absolutely, it's going to increase because we got problems. So through the discovery of, and we say, haven't even got information back from Yuba College yet, through the discovery just on looking around the internet, we found out a couple things. One, we found out that the attendance at the community college system, 50 campuses or so, is dropping way off for some reason. I don't know what it is. 
So when you heard a while back, like last year or so, when they passed the law, that they're going to give people that have never attended college before, they're going to give the first years free. <clears throat> Whoa. And you think, what was that? Why would they do that? Why, what triggered that? Well, I get what triggered that because people are choosing not to go to the colleges. It isn't they can't afford it. They're just choosing to spend their money elsewhere, right? There, something about the colleges in California, they're saying, I don't want to go to them. Now, maybe they're a waste of time. Maybe a lot of the classes are crap, which I last week I spent a lot of time talking about the different topics that are taught on campuses that add nothing to your life about zombieism or how many genders there are, whole classes on it. So they give away the first year free, but it's not free. You and I are paying for it. So how are they going to pay all these teachers for more students? If they do get more students, how are they going to pay for more teachers without more money coming in? Where are they going to get that money? All over the state, they're passing these, trying to pass these bonds. And uh, it's just a bad deal, folks. And And to build more space to put up more buildings. Uh, I, You know, the, one of the questions we're trying to ask, and they said they didn't understand what we were asking, or the people that wrote, I, I didn't actually write it up, the questions. The question would be, wouldn't you want to know this? How many empty classrooms are there that you're not filling with kids? Or of all the, of all the classes, if you took a, a census of all the classes, how many classes are 50% full? Like I've said in classes that were 50% full or 35 when I've attended out at Yuba College, even as an older adult. There were like 70, 70 80 uh, seats empty in a biology class I took. There was lots of room in the theater, lots of room. So why do we build another building if we got all that empty space? It just doesn't make sense to me. It just waste, it's, a, it's a waste of money, waste of time. So I, I'll have to count up. I'll have to count up. I'll take a break here, and I'll count up how many colleges. There's got to be, seems like 50 or so campuses around around the state. And, um, yeah, I, it, offhand, it just doesn't say. But thanks to James C. for uh, providing this information. A great, great article. You can look it up yourself uh, by Alan Wheeler, just written last month. November 25th, California Community Colleges have $2.7 billion in unfunded retiree health care obligations. We're screwed, man. We're totally screwed. That's what this is all about. I don't care what they put on an argument for the ballot. When you look at this list, you'll go into sticker shock. You'll, go to have, you'll have sticker shock. Um, so let me just, okay. I'm going to go back up here at the top and, uh, oh, you know what I wanted to talk about next? If I have time, yeah, I have time here. I want to just, you know, we're having problems with PG&E and, uh, you might want to throw rocks at PG&E, but the, the, the people that started this are the environmentalists. And, uh, what happened with PG&E is they began to tell them that, uh, they couldn't use fossil fuel energy anymore. <coughs> They had to buy they had to buy power from the bird blenders and the solar, and in order for the bird blenders and solar to make a profit, they had to pay a lot more 
for the power from them than they would pay for hydroelectric or from gas or from fossil fuels. You with me? So it artificially inflated the price, and the price then had to get passed on to consumers. But then PG&E started cutting corners and maintaining their uh, to maintain their uh, delivery infrastructure, which is your lines and your gas pipes, right? You remember when San Bruno blew up here a number of years ago? Just the whole part of the city blew up. <clears throat> and um, so PG&E hasn't been keeping up its infrastructure. And so now Gavin Newsom wants to take over the – I want you to think about the state of California taking over utilities. And uh, when I was in Russia, they told me that the Russians would just turn off right in the middle of winter. Would If they got PO'd at, at people in a certain segment of the city, they'd just turn off the power. They'd have no heat in these big concrete high-rises. And uh, I would not want the government to control the utilities. I, I would rather have an efficiently run utility company, even a monopoly, uh, in control. Now, you've been losing power. Now, I know businesses that have lost power that have cost them a lot of money. And uh, I'm trying to find something here that I'm having a hard time finding right now. But it talks about Venezuela. And I've been focusing a lot about Ven- on v- Venezuela because we're the next Venezuela right here in California. And uh, I'm trying to find it here. Darn it. Uh, oh, okay, it's farther down here. So Venezuela was the, the most powerful economy in the Southern Hemisphere. And um, through... The voters voted socialism in. Do you know that? They did not have a, uh, this is, they didn't fire a gunshot down there. The voters got greedy. And, you know, as soon as the voters think they can vote themselves uh, better benefits, they'll turn the whole thing over to socialism. And that's just the way it is. And um, so I am goofed up here. I can't seem to find this crazy article. Ah. Uh like driving me crazy all of a sudden. So anyway, uh, Venezuela voted themselves into uh, socialism. They have the biggest gas reserves in the world, still in the world. And today they are importing, they're importing gas. I'm almost there now. I got it, got it figured out here. And so what happened is uh, their utilities, they couldn't afford to run their utilities. And uh, crazy. I'm, I'm losing my mind here. So what happened is in, the, in 2000, uh, in the last 12 months, they have lost power 80,000 times. In, the, in somewhere, not not through the entire nation, but somewhere it has gone down at least 80,000 times. I want you to think about that right now. I want you to think about how many times throughout California you've lost your power. And uh, here we go. Now I found it. 80,000 times. I want you to think about that, how you would run a business, how you would do anything, how you'd prepare for anything. In 2019, 
80, the grid has failed 80,000 times. Now, there's certain, certain areas of the country, like where the government is, is uh, functioning out of, that they won't allow them to turn off the, the power there 80, you know, in, in the center, the capital of Caracas, for instance, right? But in some areas, uh, the, the, the actual uh, power has gone down completely throughout the entire, the entire nation went black. Have you ever seen a aerial view of uh, Korea, north and south at night? And the south is all lit up with lights and north is just pitch black because the po- power just has to shut. They don't have enough power. And that's what happens when you have socialist power. And that's what Gavin Newsom and the liberals want, socialist power. And when you turn off, like I talked to a, a rice farmer who was trying to dry his rice in these big silos, and, and they shut off power. And he said, Lou, we had to stop harvesting rice because we can't just let the rice sit and not be stirred up and with heat blowing through it and dry it out. Otherwise, it'll get moldy. And I didn't realize all of a sudden I'm look, looking at this article. And do you know that that President Maduro was actually voted out of office? But he, he won't leave. It's unbelievable. He vo- was voted out as of last January. And National Assembly, uh, they appointed a different guy named Juan Guaido, the interim president. But he won't. Maduro will not vacate the presidential palace. <coughs> so uh, Guaido, even though he's president, he's powerless in, unless they, they move this guy out. But I'm telling you, if you think, oh, that can never happen here, you're crazy. You're absolutely crazy. People are moving right now. I think uh, nearly a million people uh, left California for other states already, and it's millions now have left Venezuela. Venezuela, the refugee crisis will surpass Syria as the largest refugee crisis in modern history. I want you to think about that. Just think about it. You think, oh, well, that can never happen here. People, you are deceived. You think you're just going to not vote? You're not going to do anything? You can just keep going through McDonald's drive-thru, keep going, get your latte, and things are going to stay the same. It is not. I I have lived most of my life and never had coordinated blackouts like this, and now we're having them. And the utilities are 60% higher here. Why? Because the government just decides that we should have them higher, higher utilities because they don't want to use fossil fuels and they want to use, you know, why don't they just uh, put a lot of old people on bicycles and pedal them stationary bicycles and hook up little electrodes to that and power the city. It's just stupid stuff. We're going to be right back. And uh, this, we're just finishing our fourth segment here. Let's see one, two, three, four. So there's a couple clips here. Save California's got an ad in. Uh, oh, here's a, in a funny, I got a little funny for you. And I'll be right back. Just going to get a drink of water. Be right back. What a year! 
I'm Randy Thomason with your SaveCalifornia.com Minute. Here at SaveCalifornia.com in Sacramento, we're completing our 20th year of serving you, your values, and your family. And this month, we're not relaxing, but working hard for you. You see, we're about to launch two important web outreaches. Our pro-family school indoctrination center will protect more children. And our Gavin Newsom watch will enlighten voters by reporting the truth. See how SaveCalifornia.com is devoted to saying what the big media won't and picking up where the church leaves off? And deep down, isn't it reassuring to know you're not alone? Please join me in saying, yes, I want my values and liberties respected and protected, not silenced. See more at SaveCalifornia.com, fighting the good fight for your values in California. Just bring us back to reality. Yeah, because everything is amazing right now, and nobody's happy. Like, in my lifetime... The changes in the world have been incredible. When I was a kid, we had a rotary phone. We had a phone that you had to stand next to, and you had to dial it. Yes. Do you, know, you realize how primitive? You're making sparks <laughs> in a phone, and you actually would hate people with zeros in their numbers because it was more it was right. like, oh, this guy's got two zeros. Screw that guy. Why do I want to? <laughs> and then if, if they called and you weren't home, the phone would just ring lonely by itself. And then if you wanted money, you had to go in the bank for when yes. it was open for like three hours. You had to stand in line, write yourself a check like an idiot. And then when you ran out of money, you'd just go, well, I can't do any more things now. <laughs> right. I can't do any more That's things. That's it, yeah. That was it. And even if you had a credit card, they'd, the guy would go, ugh, and he'd bring out this whole shunk, shunk, and he'd write yes. all cruddy. You'd have to call the president to see if you had any money. And it's all true, kids. You phone. had to call the president, yeah. It was ridiculous. Yes. Do you feel that we now, in the 21st century, we take technology for granted? Well, yeah, because now we live in an, in an amazing, amazing world, and it's wasted on the, on the crappiest generation of just spoiled idiots <laughs> that don't care, because this is what people are like now. They got their phone, and they're like, ugh, it won't... Give it a second! <laughs> give it, it's going to space! <laughs> Can you give it a second to get back from space? Is the speed of light too slow for you? Yeah. Yeah. I was on a, I was on an airplane and there was internet, high speed internet on the airplane. That's yes. the newest thing that I know exists. And I'm sitting on the plane and they go, "Open up your laptop. You can go on the internet." And it's fast. And I'm watching YouTube clips. It's I'm in an airplane, and then it breaks down. And they apologize. The internet's not working. The guy next to me goes, "This is bullshit." Like, how quickly the world owes him something yes. he knew existed only 10 seconds ago. Right. Right. And on planes... <laughs> flying is the worst one, because people come back from flights, and they tell you their story. And it's like a horror story. It's They act like their flight was like a cattle car in the 40s in Germany. That's yeah. how bad they make it sound. Right. They're like, it was the worst day of my life. First of all, we didn't board for 20 minutes. And then we get on the plane, and they made us sit there on the runway for 40 minutes. We had to sit there. Oh, really? What happened next? Did you fly through the air incredibly like a bird? Did you partake in the miracle of human flight, you non-contributing zero that you got to fly? You're flying! It's amazing! 
everybody on every plane should just constantly be going, oh my God! Wow! Yes! You're flying. You're, you're sitting in a chair in the sky. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's right. Now, now Louie. But, but it doesn't. It doesn't go back a lot. <laughs> and it's, and it's not really... Little. You know, here's the thing. People, like, they say there's delays on flights. Delays, yeah. really? New York to California in five hours. That used to take 30 years <laughs> to do that. And a bunch of you would die on the way there and have a baby. You'd be a whole different group of people by the time you got there. <laughs> now you watch a movie and you take a dump in your home. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you win. You get one song, one song, my friend. And when the music stops, we say goodbye. And then I. All right. Well, before be I. Uh, let me just finish this. I want to talk about a couple of people that, that sponsor us. The way it's going in Venezuela. It looks like that uh, 6.5 million people by the end of 2020 will have left to other states. Now, I wonder, uh, you think that's possible for that many to leave California? Almost a million did last year. It's going to be interesting to see how bad it how bad it gets, how many people leave, depending on how bad it gets around California, because it's getting bad. I ta- I wrote an article uh, about Panda Express. I took a, a young lady in there needed needed a little something to eat late at night, and uh, and there were people just laying around all around the building. It's unbelievable. Nobody doing anything about it because now they have a right to be there. How long do you think people are going to put up with that before they finally that just that is not going to force anybody out? But if they get held up, if they get beat up, if they get robbed, uh, if they get their kid gets sick because of some kind of cholera or some uh, feces-laden disease, uh, it's going to have an impact. Or if they can just switch jobs and go over another state and, and just get tired of paying the ridiculous bills. I'm telling you, in the city of Marysville, when you finish paying your water and your utility bill, you got gouged big time. The water is probably three times as high in, in the city of Marysville as it is across any other river. And then uh, PG&E is at least 60% higher, and they're asking for a rate rate a rate raise, both CalWater and both PG&E are asking for rate raises from the California Public Utility Commission. I guarantee you that they're going to get them. They're going to get them. Why? Because you're not going to do one thing about it. Uh, You're not going to do anything about it. You're just going to sit back and think, well, oh, well, there's nothing I can do about it. And I don't know, how many things do you say that? you say that about everything in your life? You don't vote. You don't register. You don't, like, uh, stand and pick it. You don't write a letter to the editor. You don't write a letter to your congressman. You don't do anything, right? Well, uh, it's going to cost you, right? There's a price to be paid for freedom. Uh, And sometimes that that takes some shedding of blood. Now, uh, I want to mention Dave Green. It's it's, uh, Christmas time. And I'm thinking all the people that have supported me this whole last year since we started uh, 39 sessions ago. Uh, and uh, 
I'm real thankful for Dave Greenitz and his wife, Leslie. They run Greenitz Construction Company. <clears throat> and uh, I, I'm, I'm always uh, I'm, I'm connected to him on Facebook, and, and I check out his website because I want to see how he's doing. But I also know how he's doing. I know he's very busy and uh, got a great crew of people. And he hires, I even know some of his subcontractors. He hired some of the best people, uh, amazing people. And um, so greenestconstruction.com, you can go to his website. You can look and look at his work, his finished work. You can see before and after shots. Or you could go to a Facebook page, Dave Greenitz Construction, G-R-E-E-N-E-T-Z Construction, Dave Greenitz Construction, Facebook. You can go on there and check it out. You can email him off those sites. Uh, you can dial him up at 530-682-9602. Usually when uh, the phone gets answered, it's Dave himself. You'll talk to the boss when he, when he answers the phone, when someone answers. Uh, and most of the time you get a, you get someone answering. If you don't, if you get a, a voicemail, he'll be back to you the same day. No problem. 530-682-9602. Kitchens, baths, entryways, decks. Uh, and he, I'm telling you, if you're going to stick around California this summer uh, and you own your own home, you ought to put in a whole house fan. That'll take that'll shut down that big air conditioner from running a lot of the time and get the heat out of that uh, attic and suck cool air in at night. And I'll say that big motor from running on your air conditioning, it's sucking the energy and going to cost you, you know, some people pay three or $400 a month in utilities in the summer around here. Is that freaky or what? Man, it's a lot of money. That used to be a house payment back in the day. So green They, they will get there. They're dependable. They are not independable. Well, you know, what? sometimes you hear this thing. I'm an independent contractor. I thought people are too independent. They don't show up when they tell you they're going to show up or they finish the job and they don't clean up after themselves, leave a mess. They tear things halfway apart and don't show up the next day. That's not how these guys operate. And the other group that helps me is plumbing, the plumbing doctor, and uh, they operate in Yuba Sutter counties. Northern California, and they operate around the clock, 24 hours a day, 6719111. That's a 530 area code, 6719111. And they will, they do all kinds of plumbing problems, getting the water to you, getting the water away from you, fixing your toilets, your sinks, uh, your hot water heaters, uh, figuring out ways to save you money. You know, there's ways with plumbing to save you money if you're not using as much water. If you're not using as much hot water, come on. Are you, you know, sometimes they have these new hot water heaters that just, they don't, they just fire it up. I, I learned about them when I was in Asia. They just fire it up immediately. They don't keep it hot all the time. You just fire it up immediately and just deliver it to you quickly. And you don't, you're not paying for natural gas to uh, keep things warm when you're not needing it warm. So uh, check them out and uh, I think you'll enjoy um uh, using those services. I, I want to tell you, uh, I mention this every few weeks. It's really important that you, you're going to have to uh, educate yourself on our history. That's why I, I play, play these clips here, trying to educate you on things you may not have gotten anywhere else or in school. 
They don't teach uh, civics in school anymore. You got to learn it on your own. If you have young kids that are going, you're homeschooling them. These these uh, websites will really help them out. They'll be the sh- sharpest kids if they end up going to college <clears throat> or even a tech school, or they end up having to uh, compete for a debate, or they end up trying to figure out how to vote. They will know what they're doing if they get some training here. So this is all about the Constitution. So I'm going to give you four sites where you can really learn about the Constitution if I and all, you know, I just saw an article. I haven't read it yet, but you really need to be careful about where you know. We used to say, "Oh, I'm, I'm," you know, we think of these prestigious schools like UC Berkeley or something, something. Listen, people, you really need to look. Go look at the classes being offered at these schools, and then look at how many people actually graduate. The graduation rates at these junior colleges, for instance, are pitiful. Most people don't even graduate from them. They they just go a few classes and drop out and take all the money they got, the free money from the taxpayers. But even schools that claim to be Christian schools are not really Christian schools. And and uh, a lot of the kids don't even follow God, you know. So if you think you're sending my, your kid and going to get a, a really godly education. <clears throat> but I'll tell you a school that if I had it to do over again, and I was sending my kids to a school, I would send them to Hillsdale College in Michigan, and you can go online and you can you can take a Constitution course online free of charge, and they also have Bible courses online free of charge. But check it out, Hillsdale. It's Hills D A L E dot E D U, and they have a great college. They're big on the Constitution. If you don't know much about the Constitution, you should just study it online. It's quick. It's a lecture course. You don't have to, like, read a lot of books. You have the Constitution. They'll probably give you that, and that's a small document. But you'll read it, and then they'll give you all the background to how we got to where we got in that Constitution. So you know what you're talking about, hillsdaleedu.edu. Chris Ann Hall is another one, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E Hall, all one word, chrisannhall.com. Chris Ann Hall is a is a seasoned attorney who devoted herself to teaching the Constitution after realizing that most Americans have now been t- completely dumbed down. They don't know what they're talking about. And the, the country, I'm telling you, if we lose our history, you will become a socialist country. And finally, uh, Institute on the Constitution is Jake McCauley and his boys. Jake McCauley, instituteontheconstitution.com. And I play a, a, a lot of their clips on our show called TheAmericanView.com, The American View. You can look them up on YouTube. You can listen to them yourself there, The American View. So that's some uh, some goodies on, uh, on the Constitution. Uh, please do that. Uh, check it out. Now, let me just see where we're going to go here. We got uh, – I want to – just ask this question. Representative Dan Crenshaw, he's a a wounded war veteran. He now is a Republican representative for the House of Texas, or for the state of Texas. And uh, he he brings up this, uh, this, he makes a statement. 
What kind of government, he says, would cancel the vote of its own citizen and replace it with non-citizens? Let me say it again. What kind of government would cancel the vote of its own citizens and replace it with non-citizens? Today, he said, I offer a motion to recommit H.R. 1, reaffirming that only U.S. citizens should have the right to vote. The Democrats rejected it. Next time you go to the ballot box, keep that in mind. The future of their party is in cities like San Francisco where illegals can vote. Let that sink in. Now, uh, last Friday, the Democrat-controlled House passed Bill H.R. 1. It's called For the People Act. Now, whenever you read these titles, you you almost have to just flip them 180 degrees the other way. It's not for the people at all. It's, it's for the Democrat Party. The purpose of the bill, according to the Democrats, was to expand Americans' access to the ballot box. Now, they keep talking about this as if black people can't figure out how to go get an ID. But when you talk to black people in any, in any uh, area of the country and you say, do you know how to get your ID, they, they act, act like you're stupid. Or you're from an ex, uh, you know, if you're another planet, they all know what they're doing. The black people, but the Democrats treat them like slaves. So, uh, so they say we want to expand Americans' access to the ballot box, reduce the influence of big money in politics, and strengthen ethics rules for the public servants. And that's what they say. However, just the opposite is going to happen. The bill instead runs roughshod over Americans' constitutional rights and states' rights, diminishing the power of citizens' votes by failing to prohibit non-citizen voting. <clears throat> now, if you followed what's happening on in, in just this state, California, we, called, we had this thing called the Motor Voter Act. So if you go in to register your car, they automatically register you to vote. Now, if that sounds right. That sounds like, oh, well, okay. But what if they don't keep track properly and they register non, non-citizens? Right now, you can go get a, uh, if, you're, if you don't belong here, you're an illegal, you can still get a driver's license. Did you know that? So if they ac- accidentally register that person to vote, that's a problem, right? And you have a lot of people in the United States that are here totally legally, right? They're here on a student visa, or they're, they're maybe they're a Canadian, and they're down here, they're employed by an American company, but they're a Canadian. So they're not a citizen of the United States, but they have a right to be here. They have a work visa to be here, and they need a driver's license. So they go over and get a driver's license in California. Not a problem. You can get one, right? However, if they register them to vote, that's a problem because Canadians are not supposed to vote in an American election. Now, what happened is thousands of people the DMV has discovered have been registered to vote in the state of California that either are are illegal or are legal here, but they're not citizens. And only citizens are supposed to vote in the state of California. You get it? So what's happening is is the the Democrats are looking for ways to overwhelm the system and to erode uh, the support for Republican candidates because people that are coming in are coming in for all the free stuff. 
Now, originally, in the when immigrants came to this country, they came here for opportunity, not for a check. Let me say that again. They came here for an opportunity to make money and to have a better life and to have a freer life, not for a handout, not for a check. That was never promised, and it never was delivered. Now, you can get food stamps. You can get EBT cards. People are flying in here, and they fly in pregnant to deliver a baby here. Who pays for that? We pay for it. The taxpayer pays for it. And then the baby gets to become an automatic citizen. Does that sound crazy or what? You can get free education here. We just gave free education to all the DACA recipients, right? As long as they they don't even belong here. They're illegal. But we're giving them free education. And Yuba College is actually paying for their DACA fee. There's a DACA fee every year or two they have to pay, several hundred dollars. Yuba College not only is paying for their DACA fee, but they told their their fellow employees through an inner office memo that I got a copy of at one point saying we want to uh, we are not obligated to work with immigration on any of the people that are not immigrants that are illegal aliens that are on our campus. So keep your mouth shut, basically. You got that? So what's happening is, is we got all these free things going on, whether it's education, welfare, Section 8 housing, uh, medical, on and on and on, and bus passes, on and on and on and on and on, right? That's not how it's supposed to be. If we wanted to say, okay, you can come to this country and you, you, you're not, you can't even qualify for, for any kind of benefits for five years or until you become a citizen of the United States of America. <clears throat> You're on your own. You're on your own. H.R. 1 is so bad that even it says, uh, Crenshaw says, even the leftist Civil Liberties Union opposes it, writing in a 13-page letter that the bill would unconstitutionally impinge on the free speech rights of American citizens and public interest organizations. Heritage Foundation's Hans von Spakovsky, if you want to read some great articles on voting rights and immigrant issues, study Hans von Spakovsky. He argues all legislation proposed by Congress should be necessary, constitutional, and good policy. H.R. 1 is none of those things. It is unnecessary, unconstitutional, bad policy. Listen. We should make sure that every person that's registered to vote is registered properly. It's not dead. It's is not an animal. And has proof, of, an ID proof, to confirm that they are who they say they are when they walk in. Because that's not happening right now. Now, the Democrats will all tell you that... Uh, that well if you if you require proof now i have to show my id all the time every single day i i, I got to show my id somewhere whether it's at the bank if i'm going in to speak at the jail i got they know me when i go into jail i go been going in there for years they always want to see my id i have to show it to them and uh but throughout the community we got to show ids all the time but all of a sudden with elections which is one of the most important things we do 
the Democrats don't want us to show an ID. And they want people to just walk in and be able to register right at the time of the vote. <clears throat> and then they'll try to sort it out later if they think they're not a legal vote. It's totally crazy what's going on. You can vote. I just saw we're in California. Now, again, there's a reminder, if you want to vote for Sean Foyt for District 3 congressman, you got to be registered Republican to vote for Sean. Otherwise, you'll get stuck not having a vote. So, uh, but for this thing where people can register right up at the time of the uh, the election, the date of the election, they're going to flood these places. It's going to be chaos. It's just like flooding people across the border. <coughs> those are not coincidences. They are planning those blitzes of the border so they can over, overwhelm the border guards and overwhelm the system where we'll just let them move on in, and then they never show up for their court dates. They don't show up. That's just the way it is. The way it is. So uh, anyway, that's a, a bummer deal. But what kind? Of, I want you to think about what kind of party would try to would try to uh, nullify. This is the other thing. Do you ever notice that every time you know the military people that vote from overseas, many times the Democrats are always wanting to nullify all the military votes because they didn't get in on time or something. Anyway, we're at a break here. We taking our final break. Uh, before we have our last segment. And uh, this is that break I was telling you we're going to play that clip on. We don't need no public education. And uh, check it out. This guy's a very bright guy, and he had to get your attention. Okay. We'll be back in a hot minute. by their very structure, are preparing kids for some sort of authoritarian uh, lifestyle. I'm Sheldon Richmond. I'm editor of The Freeman, the magazine of the Foundation for Economic Education. Separating school and state, which was the title of my first book, is the idea that the state has no business being involved in education. Thomas Hodgkin, who was, a, I think, a great libertarian in the early uh, 19th century, said that children would be better uneducated than be educated by their rulers. And, of course, that's not really the choice we face. Education, I think, would proceed just fine without the state. But if that's the choice, then I would still take education without the rulers. The state has always used education for indoctrination purposes. Schools, by their very structure, are preparing kids for some sort of authoritarian lifestyle. They tell you what to study, more or less. There may be sometimes scope for some choice. When the bell rings, you stop what you're doing. You get up and you move to another room, another subject. Maybe you still want to spend a little more time on the first subject. But, no, the bell rang. Got to stick with the schedule. This is the way the early school pioneers, the so-called common school pioneers, beginning with Horace Mann and those people, talked about. You can find statement after statement about how children are wax, children are plastic, children are dough to be kneaded on the social kneading board. At birth, children are as identical as Fords. I have three children, and uh, they were, they're not identical in any, any way, except they all you know, are strong libertarians. They're sort of close in that way. Uh, but that was not the result of indoctrination, I'm, I'm proud to say. It was just sort of us 
osmosis. They you know, heard and read and, and uh, met people and, and absorbed it. We never sat them down and said, okay, now time for our daily reading from Human Action or, or uh, Atlas Shrugged or anything of that sort. I have been a critic of what's kind of ha- taken the brand name of school choice. Obviously, I'm for choice in education. But school choice has come to mean vouchers and charter schools where parents are given more options and this is supposed to present uh, competition to the public schools, and uh, and everything's supposed to get better. I am skeptical about all this. First of all, I think it's it's still a state solution. The money still comes from the taxpayers funneled through the state, and for most people who are not libertarians, they're going to see that as quote public money, and I think they're going to be open to the argument that public money should not go to quote unaccountable institutions, unaccountable schools. But accountability to to whom? I want accountability to parents. That's what you get when they control the money. Under vouchers and charters, you're going to get accountability to some governmental authority. I mean, there are cases where charters have been revoked, not because the parents thought it was a lousy school, but because the chartering authority said, you're not living up to the charter, whatever the mission is specified in the charter. And to me, that's not a free system if that that can happen. And until you break the financing link, uh, I don't think you're going to get really what we want to get. The question, of course, arises, how will poor people get educated if, uh, if there's not the cross-subsidy, which is what happens when government is paying for it by taxing people. We have a lot of new uh, stories to tell about that. James Tooley has done marvelous work in Africa and Asia about some of the poorest places on earth where there are for-profit private schools that poor people go to. So somehow they've been able to begin to figure this out in places that are much poorer than any place in the United States. There's also the obvious answers of philanthropy, you know, there were charitable foundations. There have always been, always been wealthy people interested in education. This happened in the 19th century when there was no income tax to take a deduction from. So they just did it from the love of education and the love of helping uh, poor kids get an education. We see it, some of it today. I think we'd see a lot more of it if the state were not involved in schooling. And I, I just think that's not the problem that people believe it is. I think what would happen after a while in a free environment is that you'd see combinations, hybrids really, of, home, of what we think of as traditional homeschooling, right? The kids sitting around the kitchen table with the, uh, one of the parents or both of the parents and some community mixing. I mean, you see it today. I live in central Arkansas and my kids were still of school age. They were essentially homeschooled, although more in the unschooling mode of John Holt. I mean, John Holt developed this idea of unschooling, and his newsletter was called Growing Without Schooling, and it, was, it meant there was no strict curriculum. But at the same time, once a, once a week, a couple hundred kids would get together, and, uh, and they would have classes where, uh, in things that maybe individual parents felt that they weren't uh, expert enough to, uh, to teach. So they it was a pooling of resources by a lot of families, and they, in, in either some of the parents did have the expertise and therefore could, could teach to a whole bunch of children, or they'd even bring in someone they knew who wasn't maybe a parent of any of the kids there but knew something about some subject. I gave an 11-week course on introduction to economics, which is essentially introduction to Austrian economics. And I had kids from 6 to 16, and they loved it. They loved it at all the ages because these were bright kids, they were precocious, and if there were no rules being imposed by the state, I think we'd people would stumble on even new ways of doing things. That's the thing. We've got to keep it open-ended. We need to do what John, uh, Joseph Priestley advised uh, for education, and he said for all of the arts. Namely, we have to allow for trial and error and experimentation and, as he put it, complete liberty and even caprice. I love the phrase. That's what we need. We need to have it open-ended so people can try things. If it fails, it'll, it'll fail quickly, and something else will be tried. 
the glow Just thinking of you And the way you look tonight Oh, but you're lovely With your smile so warm And your cheeks so soft There is nothing for me but to love you all right, to our last segment. Well, uh, what's happening here in California, uh, I'm going to talk about guns for a minute. Uh, and throughout the United States, particularly in Democrat states, is they're, going to, uh, they're getting at the Second, second Amendment without actually declaring uh, they're going to confiscate all guns. They're doing it uh, bit, bit by bit. And uh, I'll just give you my history. My my parents uh, taught me how to use a gun early on. As soon as I could uh, get a permit to carry a gun, to use a gun, I, I took a rod and gun course or took a course from the rod and gun club. And they taught me how to shoot, how safety measures. Uh, took that course written and uh, practical and got my uh, permit, I guess, to carry a gun. I can't remember what they call it now. And uh, so I got my hunting license and began to hunt with my father. And uh, when I lived in East Marysville, we were able to, you could walk outside the city limits, walk out of town, and you could walk over the levee, and, and it was rural, and you could go shoot out there. You could go shoot pheasant, or you could go shoot ducks, or whatever. And uh, to get out there, we didn't have, a, we didn't want to ride our bicycles, so we didn't have cars. It was, we, didn't, we weren't that old. We were 12, 13, 14 years of age, and we would walk from where we lived which is probably a couple of miles, but we would walk with our guns and our ammo. And so back then, uh, you, you would see cars driving up and down the street with gun racks in the back like pickups, and people would carry their guns, uh, hunting guns, with them in the car or over their shoulder while they walked up the street. No one ever stopped. Cops would never stop you, never got stopped once. They wouldn't even give you a really second look. In fact, we'd come in, walk out in early morning hours, middle of the night, and walk back in the middle of the day. No problem. Over the years, they've eliminated those abilities. Today, if you saw a 13-, 14-year-old kid walking with a shotgun, uh, the, the police would probably pull him over, and there'd be probably there's probably some rule to that now. And so uh, right now, uh, the uh, I thought it was 20,000, 30,000 uh, gun owners – in California, have they've gone to buy ammo and been rejected? And when they they have to do a background check to buy ammo. For instance, if you are not, if they look up, say, if I'm going in and buy a, a ammo for a 22 caliber, uh, and I don't have a 22 caliber gun registered to me, they won't let me buy ammo for a 22 caliber, even though maybe I'm going to buy my borrow my brother's gun. Right? There's all kind of complications. Or if I have, a, like some of the guns I have are have never been registered. They're old guns, right? They're old. So <clears throat> so if I went in to get ammo, they would say, well, you don't have a gun registered to you with that caliber so or any gun registered to you, so we're not going to sell you any ammo. So what's happening is all kinds of people are getting, reg they, they're getting rejected to buy ammo. And so at some point, so what's happening is, is either people are going outside to the state and hauling in ammo, which they're saying that's illegal. Uh, there's a new book out. I, in fact, I don't know how new. I think it's fairly new. It's called Three Felonies a Day. I'm going to get it and read it. But it, the article is that there's so many laws being uh, written 
that the average American is is committing three felonies a day when when they really believe themselves to be law-abiding citizens. So what used to be law-abiding in the state of California, now you're a criminal. Now, uh, what's happening is they are eliminating the use of guns and by taking away the ammo, making it more and more difficult to get ammo, or if you have ammo, pretty soon they're going to be able to say, well, show me the sales receipt on that ammo, or they run a check on it, you say, well, you you aren't even listed to have this gun. In other words, it's gun registration, and that's supposed to be it's, it's a violation of our constitutional rights. Now, someone, I, I think, wrote or said some something the other day that the Yuba and Sutter County supervisors, those are the government, that's the government body that oversees the two counties here in Northern California. We have 58 counties in California. <clears throat> and they went to them and said, hey, we want to have a sanctuary county for gun rights. In other words, we don't want to obey these gun laws. Just like there's sanctuary counties and cities in the state of California that says we want we we are going to allow illegal aliens. We're going to we we're not going to pay attention to federal laws. And so uh someone was saying that they'd already gone to talk to the Yuba and Sutter County supervisors and neither group wanted to have a sanctuary uh county in terms of gun rights. And I think they should. And the reason that I heard, I just heard this through the grapevine, that that the people who went and talked to them said they didn't want to, uh, the supervisors didn't want to stand, take a stand against the governor because they felt the governor would punish them by not giving them money. Now listen, at some point, our rights are more important than the money. And if the supervisors haven't got the backbone to take a stand on that, maybe we need to switch which supervisors we have. Now, in Virginia, the governor, Northam, Northam, North AM, Northam, he's now increasing his corrections budget in anticipation of jailing gun owners. Now, this guy is nuts in Virginia. I don't know whether there's how many counties there are, but I think the majority of the counties, I I thought I read where there was 90 and 70, it seemed like a lot, 90 counties, but maybe not, but... The majority of all the counties have now declared themselves in Virginia to be sanctuary counties for uh, gun rights. And sheriffs sheriffs are standing up and saying, I am not going to enforce these gun laws. Uh, force, they're, they're law-abiding Virginia taxpayers, and they're not going to do that. Uh, it's a... They call it a wholesale attack on law-abiding gun owners. And uh, Michael Bloom, Bloomberg <coughs> looks like he's going to run for, for office against Trump, is is funding a lot of this uh, Governor Northam's work there. And uh, they're, they're eliminating all kinds of guns, automatic guns, long guns, all kinds of stuff in the state of, of Virginia. And people are just saying, we're, we're going to go to battle over this. And uh, universal gun background checks, all that kind of nonsense. To me, I don't think they should do any of it. None of it is proven to curb crime. And uh, But Democrat governors don't care. And so, uh, but the reason I bring this up is not so much about Virginia, uh, but they're going to they're gonna have a shootout before this is over, and a literal shootout in Virginia. 
<clears throat> but it's it's coming to California. We're next. He just got the jump on us. Northern did. Now he's a guy that believes that you can. This is so interesting that he thinks he's going to stop killing by taking away guns, but he doesn't have a problem with killing a baby after they're born. It, as long as the parents want to, the the baby could be born alive even though they wanted to abort it, and then they go ahead and kill it anyway. Now I I get a uh, I belong to the NRA. I'm not much of a gun advocate anymore. I mean, I don't I don't carry a gun, a concealed weapon or anything. Uh, I'm not licensed to do so. I think I would just if I if I end up with a concealed handgun, I'll just carry it whether I have a, a permit or not because I don't believe in permits for that. But I I received this because I support the NRA. I received this magazine each month, and there's one article that I love, and it tells about some incidences around the country where people have used a handgun or a long gun to save their life. Uh, and so I'm going to read, read you a couple. These are, they're inspiring to me. It says trying to sell somebody wanted to sell some, uh, you know how people sell online <clears throat> and then somebody said, Oh, I'm in the same County. I'll meet you up. I'll meet up. Don't, don't send it to me. I'll just meet up with you and buy it from you. So these people are going to meet up, and this person was going to sell some expensive hair extensions. And a 23-year-old drove his car behind an apartment complex. This sounds bad, starting out on September 18th, after being led there by two potential buyers. An unknown man allegedly leaped through the driver's side window, forced a handgun into the driver's stomach, and demanded the property, the hair extensions. In response, this is a gutsy guy right here. The armed driver, while he's got a gun pointed at him, pulled his firearm and fired three shots at the assailant, fatally striking the would-be robber. The armed citizen turned himself in at the Clifton Heights Police Department. After review, the district attorney's office determined the armed citizen had acted in self-defense. How about this one? A pregnant woman in Florida used an AR-15, thank you, Jesus, on October 30th to defend her family from two masked men in a reported violent home invasion that left her husband with numerous injuries. The intruders apparently barged into the home at 9 p.m., pointed guns at her husband. They pistol-whipped and beat him while grabbing his daughter and demanding money. The wife, eight months pregnant, peered out of a back bedroom. The intruders reportedly fired at her, causing her to retreat into the room. There she grabbed an AR-15 style rifle and returned fire. She struck one of the intruders, causing both to flee. The, the injured retruder made it about 200 feet out of the house before he died in a ditch. Thank you, Jesus. The other uh, suspect was still at large. Uh, this is at St. Petersburg, Florida. And let me give you, uh, let me see if I got one more. Now, this is, this is great. Studies indicate that firearms are used more than 2 million times a year for personal protection and that the presence of a firearm without a shot being fired prevents crime in many instances. Shooting usually can be justified only where crime constitutes an immediate imminent threat to life, limb, or in some cases, property. Anyone is free to quote or reproduce these accounts. Pretty pretty good. Now, let me give you this one 
final one. Uh, a New York State homeowner shot an armed intruder on November 5, around 9 p.m. According to Genesee County Sheriff's deputies, the intruder, age 36, forced his way into the home with a handgun, allegedly threatened the homeowner and his wife, who uses a wheelchair while demanding money. The homeowner said he gave the intruder cash from his wallet before being ordered to go downstairs. Fearing for his life, the homeowner went downstairs first and used the opportunity to retrieve a shotgun hidden in another room. The homeowner returned upstairs, shot the intruder who had dropped the cash. All right. He ordered the would-be robber to remain still while his wife called 911. Deputies in New York State Police arrived to take the intruder into custody. He was treated at the scene. Anyway, they stopped him. Pretty cool. So we're gonna we're having a major meltdown, and uh, I don't think Northam is going to prevail. Now he he may look pretty sharp right now, but I'm telling you, he's liable to get himself shot. And I I'm ready for this because I'm tired of of uh, people rigging elections. And taking our constitutional rights. Now, somebody said to me the other day, what are your reasons for wanting to recall Gavin Newsom? I got too many to even say on the air today. But one of them is this thing. It's just all this legislation that he approves. Now, you think, well, some some of my friends, some of my friends just want to become socialists. They'll never say that, but they don't want to stand up for anything. They'd rather give up their family their freedom, their guns, uh, their their right to travel about. I, I mean, my friends in Vietnam just think I'm totally hilarious when I tell them how stupid Californians are, and how they want to become socialists. They just think, Lou, you're just you're just telling us a joke. They can't believe it. They just can't believe America's like this. But I tell them, I said, they would rather come over here and live your way and and let you come and live our way. But I'm telling you that the in the state of California, Gavin Newsom and the nutso and perverts and weirdos in the state in running the state of California are going to take away your ammo. They're going to take away your weapons. They're going to make it so difficult. They're going to take away your vehicles. It's already in the plans. They're going to remove you. They're going to eliminate uh, single family housing. They're going to eliminate single family. How are they going to do that? They're going to take away your house? No, they're not going to do that. They're going to make it so expensive you can't afford it. <clears throat> they're going to make so many rules. How do you think this, the housing crisis in California, people are so stupid. They think, well, you know, the reason there's homeless is because the housing's so expensive. That's not true. First of all, that's not true. But the housing is expensive for one reason. Because of the people sitting in Sacramento making the laws. Because now you have to have fire sprinklers in all your houses. you got to have solar in all your houses. It's crazy. Totally crazy. They're telling you how you have to construct your house. It's one thing if they're talking about safety. But to tell you because of global warming <coughs> that it's mandated that you have solar, that it's mandated that you now you have to have fire sprinklers in all your houses. You know how much that adds tens and thousands, huge amounts of money. And then for all the green energy issues, 
It's just crazy. It's adding so much to a house you can't afford to buy a house. The average person cannot afford to buy a house. That's not adding to homelessness. That's just keeping people in apartments. And so people are leaving to buy a house elsewhere where you can have a house as you want it. I don't want solar, and I don't want sprinklers. I live in an old house. So they're probably never going to force me into it. But what they're doing is by rule after rule after rule after rule after rule, they're forcing you out out of your fossil fuel cars, into electric cars, into trains, into buses, into stack housing in the center is in the center of town and <clears throat> and out of si- single family dwellings they they want you off the land then what they're doing look what they did to <clears throat> if you down, if you drive down i5 i5 used to be one of the most beautiful drives for me going to california because i love farming and i used to just love the different thousands and thousands of acres under irrigation. <coughs> Sorry, I got a bad throat here today. All these uh, acres under irrigation with almond trees, cotton, walnut trees, peach trees, uh, orange trees, tomatoes, potatoes, just incredible crops. And now you drive down there. And uh, thousands and thousands of acres are just fallow. What happened? <clears throat> I need to take a little shot of cough syrup here. Pause. So what you see today, it isn't because somebody doesn't want to grow stuff there. It's because the government said, we're going to take your water. And we're going to make the water so expensive you can't grow grow crops. So that's what's happening. So what what's happening through legislation, they are eliminating your freedom. They're eliminating freedom. It's not a matter of coming in and a government taking over the entire United States of America. It's a matter of the government law by law. Law by law by law, line by line, taking away your freedom. That's what's going on. And so you don't notice it all of a sudden until one thing is eliminated after another, and they've taken away your freedom. So that's what's going on. <coughs> I'm going to have a coughing fit here today, so I'm going to call it a day. And uh, we will catch you in the new year. Make some cool New Year's resolutions. I hope one of them is to recall the governor and to vote Sean Foyt in as uh, District 3 congressional candidate uh, over John Garamendi. And so we'll be voting on that in March of this coming year. That's our new primary, March 3rd. So uh, get yourself registered, and uh, let's make a difference. All right. If you've run into somebody this week that's, that's new to you, be careful, it might be an angel underwear, so treat them really nice. Catch you later. Bye. We're so glad to see so many of you lovely people here tonight. We would especially like to welcome all the representatives of Illinois' law enforcement community who have chosen to join us here in the Palace Hotel Ballroom at this time. We certainly hope you all enjoy the show. And remember, people, that no matter who you are and what you do to live, thrive, and survive, there's still some things that make us all the same.
Someone to love. Someone to love. Sweetheart to miss. Sweetheart to miss. Sugar to kiss. Sugar to kiss. 